When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, we're talking about anxiety and navigating the space between calm and panic. There's this space that we find ourselves in and we're gonna find ourselves in over the course of our lives, this space between calm and panic, where and when anxiety builds up into that panic. And when we don't know what to do, we are so overwhelmed as we are moving along that continuum towards that building panic. Without knowing what to do, when we feel this way and really don't know what to do, we are very likely to continue on that continuum until we panic, until we melt down. My intention for this episode is for you to know what to do to take care of yourself well before panic. And you have this power. You may not feel that you have this power right now. I assure you, you have this power and you can grow into this power. What I don't want for you or anyone and what I did for many years, I didn't have anyone put it this way to me. So I'm going to put it this way to you. Don't accidentally practice escalation into panic. This is not the thing we want to practice over and over and over again. Because the truth is, if this is where we are, if this is what we're trying to heal, we practiced into panic very often in our younger years. This is exactly what we're trying to change. I want you to use your human power to practice de-escalation towards calming, grounded peace, not accidentally, mindlessly practicing escalation into panic. This list is not an extensive list. This list is to start you off, get your creative mind going, simplify when we feel overwhelmed. Use this list as a jumping off point. There is so much you can do to take care of yourself when you don't know what to do. Here is my list for you. Number one, when you feel yourself escalating with anxiety, stop and get still. Get still on the outside, stop moving, and get still on the inside. Now, your anxiety isn't going to like this. It wants to find something to do to impulsively do, 
to make the anxiety go away. It doesn't work. And this is where we make bad decisions. We lash out, we lose ourselves. There are times in my life where I have to just sit and tell myself, Nikki, stop, stop, get still. Number two, no big life decisions. That impulse we feel to just do something, to do anything, to quit, to run away, because anxiety is building, we are building into flight or fight. So we either want to fight all of the, the demons, all of the monsters in our lives, or we push people away because we're in flight, or we run away because we're in flight. This is not the time to decide if you want to stay married. This is not the time to walk out of your job. Consider this as a mantra, as a value. I don't make big life decisions from anxious energy. We want our wise woman, our wise man, our wisest, most grounded parts to make life decisions, not our anxious, impulsive, let me throw anything at the wall because I just need something to stick desperation feeling parts. I make life decisions when I am grounded. That's it. So when I'm not grounded, I don't have to think about making any life decision because that's not my best thinking. This is a sneaky way that highly sensitive people and trauma survivors wear themselves out. Anxiety wants to do something to shift the anxiety. When we understand this, we can work with this. Here is a doing for you to do. My number three, instead of making some kind of big triggered life decision. Third on this list is take a breath. Take a breath for your body. Take a breath for your mind. Take a breath for your heart, for your gut. How about a breath for your inner child? A breath for your outer adult. To take a breath between thoughts, with the thought, take a breath, is a powerful interrupter to the escalation into panic. The thought, take a breath, is working with your mind. And because anxiety wants you to do something, when you take the breath, you're shifting into action, which is soothing that feeling, soothing that desire that anxiety has for you to do something. We don't want the something to be quitting your job. My busy, overwhelmed moms, especially of little ones out there, I don't want you driving away from the house, locking yourself in the bathroom as you panic. I want the action that you're taking to be taking this breath. When we say to ourselves, take a breath, we are working at the level of thought. When we take that breath, we are working at the level of behavior, at becoming actionable. And that helps us feel a sense of control. Because I can't figure out the solution to some of my problems right now today in this moment, particularly when my anxiety is building. But what I absolutely can do and can do successfully is take a freaking breath. When our bodies feel overwhelmed, we don't want to use our mind to throw more overwhelming thoughts at it. That's not a very wise solution. Take a breath. This is a cognitive behavior. The cognition, take a breath. The behavior is doing the breath. There's a part of us that will say, Nikki, taking a breath isn't good enough. I'm panicking. I'm freaking out. My life is over. Everything is crumbling. 
We tap in our wise woman, our wise man, our wisest parts to say to our younger, flailing, panicking parts, oh, honey, all we have to do right now is get to one degree calmer. And that's a win. Take a breath. There we go. One more degree. Take another breath. This moment, as anxiety builds towards panic, it's about calming, centering, soothing, self-supporting. This moment, despite what your anxiety tells you, this moment is not about whatever triggered you. It's not about fixing the trauma that is making you panic right now. Not in this moment. In this moment, it's not about whatever mistake you've made that's bringing up these feelings. It's not about whatever betrayal you've realized you've endured or injustice you've survived. It's not about how to keep yourself safe and untriggered moving forward. Not in this moment. The only thing to do when anxiety is rising in the body is to lower it. It is a lie that you need any answer when anxiety is building. You want it because you think the answer is the key to the calm. Because when we get an answer, we do feel calm. But often we don't get an answer in our timing when we want it or even when we think we need it. You want control over yourself, your body, your reactions? Then don't set yourself up to need an answer that you just can't have in this moment. Don't push your okayness until you get answers in this life. When you have the power to choose to learn how to soothe and sit in the unknown, you have the power to learn how to deal with the unknown, the non-answers. I want your soothing to be part of you, part of your body. I don't want that soothing to be in answers because that means you can't have it until answers are available. And we don't get to just snap our fingers and have answers right now. Sometimes the universe is working it out. Sometimes we need more information. Sometimes we need more experience. Patience. Here's number five. Let go of quick fixes. Learn to move through. We all have the things that we want to grab when we feel uncomfortable. Maybe it's a drink. Maybe it's a pill. Maybe it's a cupcake. Maybe it's gambling. Maybe it's porn. Whatever it is that you reach for, that your anxiety wants, the quick fixes, they feel good in the moment. But often these quick fixes don't work the way that we would hope they would or we would like them to. One of the funniest things that I used to teach in addiction recovery groups is not to put frosting on a shit cake. A lot of times these quick fixes take something that's crappy and we need to turn that crap into some kind of fertilizer, not turn it into some kind of cake, ice it and just make it look pretty because it's still going to taste <laughs> like crap. Our wise woman, our wise man can step in and help our inner, younger, idealistic, perfectionistic parts that really want to believe in these quick fixes. Y'all have been doing this almost 20 years. If there's a quick fix, I'm all about it. It's just the truth I've learned is that those quick fixes often come with more consequence than more help. 
This is number six, but it's almost like a five and a half. When we let go of the quick fixes and learn to move through the way that we do that, the doing, the action is to actually have our emotion. This is number six. Many highly sensitive people over the years have sat with me and said, Nikki, okay, how do you have this tough emotion? How? And here's the problem with that. We were always meant to think our thoughts and feel our feelings. When someone asks me that question, what they're really asking is, Nikki, please tell me how to think my feelings because that is less vulnerable. And if I can think my feelings, I can avoid this emotion. I can avoid this feeling. And my inner parts would very much like that, particularly when I'm overwhelmed, particularly when I'm anxious. More emotion seems crazy when I already feel overwhelmed. Let's just think this. That'll work, right, Nikki? Please tell me that that will work. And if it worked, I'd be all about it. We learn that we can have the emotion. And that having the emotion, experiencing it versus trying to manage it away to dance around it, to get super, super smart so we don't have to feel, is what helps us get to the other side and be done with the funk of the heavy emotion. How do you have emotion? You feel it. And you recognize that you have been trying to think it for a whole life. Hi, everyone. It's Jean Chatsky, host of the Her Money podcast. For seven years, my show has been changing the relationships women have with money because make no mistake, when it comes to money, women are different. We face challenges that men don't. Longer lifespans, caregiving, a gender pay gap that just won't quit. Oh, and the fact that the financial industry was built by men for men. We need information specifically for us presented without jargon in a judgment-free zone. And that's what the Her Money podcast is all about. Every week, we talk about earning more, spending smart, investing to build the life you want, and protecting yourself from disaster. Subscribe to Her Money with Jean Chatsky wherever you get your podcasts. Because when you own your money... You own your life. Now, I can tell you that if you come from a dysfunctional family with a lot of chaos, particularly when you were young and developing into your personhood, overthinking starts when we are sensitive, aware, often smart when we are children because we don't have someone to nurture us through. We don't have a lot of mature energy around us that are calming things down, that are handling the emotions and regulating the children because those adults don't know how to regulate themselves. So there's no way my parents could have helped me regulate myself. Even if they had wanted to, they didn't know how. So the only thing that I could do, and so many of you listening right now will resonate with this very similarly. The only thing I could do was have overwhelming feelings feel that anxiety start to build when I didn't understand what was going on around me or I didn't understand the tensions or the anger or the rage or the lashing out or the confusion or the irresponsibility and what I couldn't count on is I would leave my emotion because if I cried, my mom would get mad at me. I might even get punished. So where could that emotion go? I wasn't encouraged to feel it. I had to hide it. 
I had to smush it. And our feelings don't smush very well. They don't hide very well. So they had to go somewhere. And so they went to my head. They went to my thoughts where I learned that the safest place I could go was to just think and think and think and think and think. And the more I could think and think and think and think and think, I wasn't in the room with whatever dysfunction, whatever tension was spiking my anxiety as a child. And that's a pattern. If we practiced it as a child, and certainly we didn't know we were practicing it, that leads us to overthink as adults. And so when we have intense emotion wash over, we want to think it. We learned how. That program runs very strongly. We're learning to reprogram that and give self-permission. If I could jump in a time machine, I'd go back in time and I'd sit in front of little me and I'd say, hey, sweet girl, I've got some good news for you. You're allowed to feel your feelings. And when you grow up, I'm going to teach you how to do it. It's not safe to feel these feelings around these adults. And I'm so sorry for it. But we can feel it now. It's right for us to feel it now. And I know it's scary. And it's overwhelming, but we can do it. And that's how we release it. That's how we let it go. That's how we get done with it and feel better. So don't take your heart emotion and try to frost it with this beautiful icing and think you're good. Nobody wants to eat that cake and they're going to get sick if they eat that cake because it's not healthy. It's not right. We were meant to feel our feelings. Do you hear the simple wisdom in that? How could it be any other way? Our feelings are uncomfortable, but none of them are bad. There are reasons why the human condition feels this range of emotion. We have to stop fighting with that as highly sensitive people. This is part of how we integrate, show up for ourselves and what I call accept our humanity instead of the expectations of our perfectionist. By doing nothing else other than being with the emotion. That means if I'm mad, I might sit crying in frustration. I'm a frustrated crier, y'all. Just saying out loud, I'm so angry. It's okay. I get to be angry. I'm getting my anger out. That's me reprogramming. That's me reparenting. That's me giving permission for my mind body to process emotion in the ways that she was not taught to when she was younger. If I'm sad, we must be sad and sit in that sadness. Now, do you ever notice that you, me, all of us people, nobody ever really asked me, hey, Nikki, how do I be happy? Maybe if you're super depressed for a long time. But for the most part, when we're happy, we're just there. We're just present. Oh, that's fun. And we don't overthink when we're in positivity as much as we do when we're in struggle. So if I sat you down and said, explain to me your peace, you would just go, well, I'm peaceful. I don't know, because it's not a thing that you think about allowing yourself to do. We think of the positive emotions as, as things that just wash over us and just happen, which unfortunately makes us think that we're powerless to move through and guide our emotions to a better place if the good ones just kind of fall out of the sky into our lap. That's part of what makes us panic about the harder emotions because it feels like they just come out of the blue and into our lap. But that's not so true. These feelings build from our thinker, our head. These are our cognitions. Our behaviors influence us. Our thoughts influence us. Our belief systems. And we're learning to work with our complicated, deep human emotion. 
with skill and art that if you resonate with me just was not an art available in my family. There might have been other arts. My family loved language and words and reading. I took that rich art from my family. But this art of how to deal with human emotion, they didn't have that art. So I'm committed to giving this art to myself. So allow yourself to experience your emotion. Have it. Feel it. Be with it. The mind body has amazing intelligence. We are feelers. Quit trying not to be. Stop avoiding your true emotion by being so clever that you let your thinking parts think your way out of it. There are no detours. So don't waste your time and precious energy driving around in circles. The way through is through. Feel. Move through. And here's what will happen over time if you practice this. Fears around feeling, the anxious dancing around, the squirming, like the, the ground is too hot to stand on for feet, that will lessen. And even the toughest things will get easier. The ground will cool off so your feet can stay firmly grounded, planted, rooted, versus lost in this hot potato dancing game that we do when we feel anxious. Number seven, very simply, patience is key. And we're trying to reprogram nervous systems, thoughts, subconscious responses in this body, reactions, changing belief systems, perspectives. We spend every day of our lives in our family system learning because humans are good creatures at learning. And that is a blessing and it's a curse. And when we've learned things that didn't ever serve us. We can bring patience to our process as we learn what it is to put those things down, to let those things go. And that's part of the process. And the other side of that coin is what we're going to pick up to fill in, to replace better beliefs, better coping skills, more effective coping, more useful perspectives, useful thoughts, Thoughts that lower us on the continuum from calm, anxiety building to panic, instead of bring us closer to panic. I've never met a dysfunctional family that is good at patience. Modeling it, giving it, having it, no patience is great when dysfunction is high. This was key to me taking care of myself. And very few of us are going to walk into a therapist's office and go, I recognize and realize I would like to work on patience with myself. This is a big layer and will affect everything that you do with your life, every way of being that you are with yourself. When you give yourself the gift of learning patience. Number eight, there's a paradox, y'all. And often our logic tries to grab and manage our psychology in ways that aren't very helpful. You know, logic says one plus one is two. Logic says this feeling's uncomfortable. Don't have it. Our psychology is not logical a lot of the time. Sometimes the more that we try not to panic, the more we'll panic. Now, why is this psychologically? Okay, through my lens, the inner child is watching our grown-up self all the time, is on guard, if we're coming from dysfunction, a little hypervigilant, 
If we're highly sensitive coming from a family, maybe that didn't have a lot of dysfunction, but maybe wasn't very high in emotional intelligence. We might feel lost and alien and weird and have a lot of self-doubt. The more we try not to panic, the more we may panic is because our inner child is watching us. And if grown-up me is using my mental power, my cognitive abilities to say things that bring me further along towards panic when I'm, in, when I'm anxious, my inner child is watching grown-up me feeling, sensing, thinking, uh-oh, she's in charge. And if she doesn't know, we don't know. I don't know. We don't know. Oh my goodness. And then panic is going to come hard and fast. You know, I grew up in hurricane country along the Gulf Coast. Part of what has struck me about parents parenting their children through that is seeing some really fabulous parenting in terms of even when that parent is maybe looking at their home that's underwater, furniture floating, their whole world sort of turned upside down. Where are we going to live? What's happened to our work? The water's not turned on. It's a billion degrees down south when those hurricanes are hitting. No AC. Small babies are hot. Where are we going to get clean water? Talk about a situation. And yet parents will look at their children when they're on it, tired beaten down, scared, and safe for their children. I don't know what we're going to do next, but I know we're going to figure it out. This is figure outable. It's okay. We're safe and we're going to figure this out. When their child's out of earshot, those parents may turn to me. They might cry and bawl and go, I don't know what we're going to do and how am I going to keep my babies from being scared? But they hold it together for those children. They offer that message. They dig deep to find that message. This is your job in taking care of yourself. And just like I might say, if I see a parent starting to panic in front of a child and I'm watching their child watch them, I'm going to go, hey, uh-uh, this, this isn't the time. Yep, take a deep breath. I'm probably going to say some things that I've put on this list. And I'm going to peel that parent away from that kid and be like, come talk to me. These are emotional boundaries. This is the caretaking that we do. And it's the truth. It's the truth. We're not lying to those kids. Oh, we're going to figure it out. It gets figured out some way, shape, or form. And not without hardship. This is where human resilience builds. These are not bad things. They're hard things. We feel grounded when our inner child is watching our wise older self dig deep And hold that energy like we would for other children, for ourselves. So if and when you are willing to practice into doing this for yourself, feeling your anxiety rise, digging deep like you would for a child, and holding, saying, believing, being for yourself this, I don't have it all figured out right now, but I know it's figure outable. We'll figure it out. I'll find people that will help us figure it out. We're safe and we're okay. And you always have me and I'm always here to figure it out. You will ground. You will get closer to that calm. You might not feel perfectly calm like the perfectionist perfectionist in us wants. And then in that moment, you are using your energy for what you really need it for. The next phase, the doing, the figuring out. Instead of letting panic 
gobble up your energy like some kind of Pac-Man character. Now, number nine is really about you taking care of yourself, somewhat in the moment, but somewhat after. It's important for a highly sensitive, deep, insightful person to understand the difference between feedback and support from friends and feedback and support from a well-trained, artful healer or therapist. Now, I am trained and I am skilled at sitting with the most uncomfortable emotions in the human condition with another human being. Since the beginning of my career, I have worked with pretty average, normal, typical dysfunction and the absolute worst of the worst that I don't want any of you even imagining. I am trained at how to hold space for this, and I am trained at how to take care of myself as I witness another human's profound pain, and I'm naturally good at it. The people who love and support you, even with the most beautiful, greatest of intention, almost universally do not have any of this training. Now, they may or may not have a natural inclination or gift in this area to listen, to support. They could or they couldn't. You wanting them to have this natural gift doesn't make it true. So evaluate this from a place of realness, of reality, of groundedness, not hope. Part of my training, which includes having evolved my own techniques over the last almost two decades, Help me not soak up the trauma I help others release. This is what trauma therapists call vicarious trauma. We are cognizant of not picking up vicarious trauma from our clients because we'll burn out. We won't be able to help others or ourselves. The people that love you, they don't have this training. And even if they did, they love you. They're in your personal life. They're looking at you struggling They're looking at your intense emotion, your hurt, your pain through their lens of loving you and wanting you to be out of pain just as quickly as possible. They want that pain to end ASAP because in part, they feel pain. That's their empathy for you. They feel a deep discomfort with your pain. And if they don't have a lot of coping skills with very real emotion then they're just going to want it zipped up for you and for them. Out of love, not out of any kind of viciousness. Out of love, out of care. Often family and friends can accidentally shut down or smush down what would better be released. Sometimes family and friends go to logic when we're in emotion as highly sensitive people. And again, that makes logical sense, but probably not psychological sense. Sometimes by going to logic, because it's not emotion, would make sense. Because to go into intense emotion, when someone is already intensely emoting, logically, that does not seem wise. And that seems scary, overwhelming. So logic says, hey, go hot potato with that just as fast as you can. Don't touch that. Don't feel that. I'm here to tell you that it is rare for the average family member or friend to have the skill set and to be able to use it on and with you if and when you were building into panic. So just be real with yourself about who in your life is really, truly available 
in skill, in heart, in maturity, in coping strategy, in listening skill, support skill, to be a support for you in such a moment or not. Because reaching for someone who's not very supportive in this moment, it's one of those quick fixes. It's one of those things the anxiety just wants to do. Evaluate if you have people in your life that can hold the space for you or if you really do need a skilled, artful healer to hold the space to guide you through, to help you not smush, but release. I want you to be able to feel lighter, freer, more confident, more peaceful, more easygoing, more of a sense of control than feeling like anxiety grabs you and just runs you up that scale towards panic. Here's my 10th and last tip that I have for you. Hang up your superhero cape. Now, if you're like, huh, Nikki, what? I'm not wearing a superhero cape. Check in with yourself. Maybe you are. When we hang up our superhero cape and then laugh at this human condition, the ups and downs of it, the whole shebang of this human experience, the absurdity of some of the things we see, we feel, even the absurdity of my panic, y'all, my anxiety. Now, I don't mean that in a dismissive way. I don't mean that in any kind of stigmatized way of judging our anxiety or minimizing it, the impact it has. But I find it quite absurd that in a non-anxious moment, the world can seem so calm and secure, everything right in the world, and then it's like the wind can change out of nowhere. And we can wonder if we're going to implode, if we're ever going to make it to our goals What a ride. What a time to be alive. What a weird, backhanded, compliment, strange kind of energy we can feel. To learn to be grateful for our struggles, for what it teaches us. See how not logical our psychological experience can be? I had someone many years ago send me a picture. They drew it. And it was a picture of a hung up cape. And what was communicated in the message was, I finally hung up my superhero cape. Thank you for helping me understand that I was wearing one. We are people pleasers. We are recovering codependence as highly sensitive people, as trauma survivors. We're very good at putting on that superhero cape and wanting to fix things, wanting to help others, wanting to relieve the pain in the world. And if we're overwhelmed, if we're struggling... We need to learn when it's smart and right to hang up that superhero cape. Maybe for a season, maybe for a moment, maybe for a lifetime. When we are in anxiety, it can be as if we want to put on that superhero cape and save ourselves from it. Again, it makes total logical sense to think that, to feel that, to want that, to be that even. But what if... That's the very thing that keeps us in pain longer. It keeps so much of us unprocessed to save ourselves from the experience of the emotion instead of having it is quite a shift. So hang up that superhero cape. You don't have to believe me. You get to experiment. What happens if you don't try to save yourself or anybody else from their anxiety? What happens if you allow yourself to experience it? I smile a lot when I think of that image especially if I feel myself throw on that superhero cape. 
unless we are on fire or bleeding, no matter what anxiety or panic tries to tell us, almost 100% of the time, y'all, not a damn thing needs to be figured out in the moment of anxiety building into panic. What we actually want to do is use these coping strategies to compost anxiety back into earth material where we can and want to ground our sweet feet. And when we do, the rest of our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our spirit, our inner child, our outer child, our higher self, all of us, we can ground too. As we heal, it feels safer to laugh and lighten, to be kinder to ourselves. You are not an alien. You are not crazy that you feel anxiety building into panic. There's a lot historically, but taught you to do so without teaching you anything else to do instead. There's a lot in this modern life that invites us to anxiety and yes, even panic daily, multiple times a day even. We benefit so much from allowing ourselves to grow into this type of coping. I've decided in my life, I've given quite enough energy in all my years to avoiding and dancing around dealing with the hard things. I am so happy, delighted, relieved to be living from the wisdom and the practice of allowing myself to have the emotion. By having it, the hard emotion, I have so much more of the good, the bright, the light, the easy, the joyful, the playful. If you want that, I assure you it is available to you. Make sure you are on our mailing list or you're following us on social media, YouTube, Instagram, and wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed all around because we are setting up for our first masterclass now. And that's all I'm sharing right now. So tune in. And follow us, be on our mailing list, be on our social media to learn more just as soon as we announce so you can participate and come hang out with me so we can grow and let go of what no longer serves us so that we can learn what really does. We are grateful and honored to be a part of Airwave Media. Go check out Airwave Media, y'all, to expand your podcast experience I want to thank some of you for writing some five-star reviews. When you do, you help work that funky iTunes algorithm. The show is shared, promoted, um, encouraged to more and more people out there in the way this crazy internet works, y'all. I want to thank Ashley G. I'm not going to say your last name on here, though it's here. Ashley says, you saved me. Oh, Ashley, before I even read this, I know you saved yourself, sweet woman. At a time, I needed this more than anything in my life. And I never realized what I was missing in my life until I listened to this podcast for the first time. It's so inspirational and amazing to listen to every week. I look forward to every new episode. Nikki has shed light on so many situations that are so relatable really make me reevaluate certain things in my life. I appreciate more than anything that this podcast exists and Nikki continues to provide therapy for me and other people. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. 
light and love. Ashley, I'm sending you a big hug, sweet woman. I want to thank Cat Chow with a K. Cat says, a gift for my soul. Thank you, Nikki, for actually speaking to my heart in so many ways on so many topics. Thank you for your sincerity. I think it makes me tear up, y'all, when I do these because it reminds me of times in my life when I was desperate for some of the very things that I am putting out there in the world. And I know the relief that comes, the self-esteem that comes from understanding more of yourself and from realizing you're not alone. So I am so grateful when y'all write these because it does help other people get to those realizations, get to that awareness. And this is how we heal the world, one person at a time by doing our own work. I'll do two more today. Susie Q says, finally know what it feels like to soar. Nikki is an amazing teacher in inner child healing and empowerment. Her boundaries course has changed the direction of my emotional life, which I am discovering is the launching pad for everything I want in life. I know in my heart, I'm allowed to be happy and take life as it comes. Thank you, Nikki. My little girl feels so free these days. Love you, Susie. Good work. Thank you for doing the course. I just finished teaching it, y'all. We're taking next year off. I'll be back for boundaries in 2025. Last one I want to read today is from Amy M. Thank you, Amy. Amy says, I'm finding my tribe. As an HSP empath, RN, and future addictions counselor, go Amy, who feels compelled to seek understanding. Finding my tribe has not been an easy task. Survivors who are on the path of understanding are truly driven by the resolve to not let our past destroy us and to create the boundaries that are needed to thrive in what seems to be an incredibly emotionally toxic environment with people who have little empathy or insight into their behavior or words. My goal is not to prove my value, to be perfect or to one up anyone, but to live in peace and share the way to inner peace through compassion with very strong boundaries. Yes, ma'am. So well said. Thank you for your work on yourself and for everyone that you're going to help in this world with their one precious life. I know it's easy to be lonely out there, to feel disconnected, to feel weird, strange, even defective as a highly sensitive person because we're so different than the mass. We're 15 to 20 percent of the population and not all of us are healthy. So those of us striving to be healthy are even less. We are a small tribe and yet we are mighty. It has been an honor, an honor for all of these years to hold this space for you. Thank you for spreading emotional badass all over the world light and love. I'll be right here next time. And I'll see y'all who are in the Patreon. Be good to yourselves as we close out this year. And don't you ever forget, I'm an emotional badass and you are an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets mindful. Light and love. Bye-bye.
find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds, like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night.